Hey, I'm Orlando Jones, and I just want you to know that the Moana Nui podcast will be starting soon. Stay tuned, yo. I'm Veronica Taylor, and for myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you. Aloha, everybody. Welcome to the Moana Nui podcast here live on the Agents of Geekdom. Uh, let's see. It is Thursday, March something. March 23rd. That's that's where we're at. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day, y'all. So you're going to have to excuse me if I don't have it all together tonight. But I am really excited for tonight's topic. Um, I told I told the... Um, the guest, like I failed the assignment. I didn't watch the movie yet. So I'm going to look forward to hearing <laughs> more uh, to hear about like this wonderful movie that I'm excited. You know, I really want to see, but just haven't had time to do it yet. But before we go ahead and do that, um, let me just introduce myself real quickly. Uh, my name is Moana. I am the founder and um, host of the podcast here. Normally joined by my sis, Dana Morgan, uh, who is not with us tonight, but we are sending her good vibes as she has, is taking care of some personal business. And um, let's see. We, lo we love the Agents of Geekdom. Hope you guys will like, uh, share, and support the content from the show. It is a group of indie creators bringing the best of indie pop culture and uh, indie comics and creatives and pop culture um, to all of you from a various um, aspects and um, lots of wonderful shows to check out on the network. So hope you guys will do that. Um, for us here at the Burning Spear, we are kind of gearing up for our first um, con appearance. I will be headed home to Hawaii for Kauai Comic Con on April 8th and really excited to be a special guest there and, um, you know, kind of go back to the community um, where I am from and um, do some outreach with the kids um, and share our comic book series there. So um, if you are in Hawaii and you're on the island of Kauai and are around April 8th, please come on down and see me. I will have all of our books available and I'll be doing signings um, and uh still working on um, having a special activity um, for the kids on the main drawing floor. So um, still in the works on that, but definitely come on down. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, some of the guests, one of the guests that we're having is Ming Chen, who's um, well known for his uh, role on Comic Book Men. Uh, we also have... Um, an older guy, um, but his, oh, shoot, his, I'm blinking on his name, but he was in Kikaida, which is one of uh, famous Japanese um, uh, series. So lots of cool stuff. We, we have a band cosplay contest. Um, and um, I just think it's going to be fun. So check us out there. Um, and Dana and I are planning our May Heritage Month um, panel programming. Uh, we have some great topics for y'all and some great guests. Um, and I, if 
things align, we should have a Kickstarter um, launching for the podcast so folks can come on out and help us support um, and continue running this show. Alrighty, that was a lot of announcements tonight. Um, so let's get started. I am going to bring up our guest tonight. It is our wonderful uh, Marvel After Dark panel, and Kyle is going to be leading us tonight as our moderator. Hello, and hello. we will also be joined by James, Teresa, and Joy. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello. All righty. So, Kyle, I'm going to let you take it away, and I'm going to drop back and uh, moderate the comments and things. So, every if you're watching, please feel free to join the conversation. Let us know your thoughts on this movie, too, and uh, take it away. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Moana. Yep. Uh, first and foremost, foremost I, I'm excited to be here to talk about this movie. This movie was awesome, in my opinion. Um, so, first, I, I want to go around the panel like, and kind of introduce yourselves our illustrious panel here. So, uh, Teresa, we'll start with you. Um, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm Teresa <laughs> <laughs> from the DC versus Marvel panel. Um, uh, I give my point of view from the non-comic book reader aspect. I just love the movies. I love a good superhero movie. And I love a good movie, actually. Yeah. So that's why I'm here, because, you know, something of a movie buff. So I'm here to give my two cents. I hate that I didn't fill in my title here. We got, everybody else has their title. Kill, I Killmonger See, I versus Kang. <laughs> See, I wanted to put, in mine, I wanted to put Teresa is tired. <laughs> I should have I put that in there. You can still I'm do hanging it. Hanging on by a string. You can still do it. <laughs> but that's it. Uh, all right. All right. The next guest we have here is Joy. Joy, want to introduce yourself, please? No, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> hello, everyone. My name is Joy Stevens. I am not really Kang's baby mama. I just could not remember <laughs> the name of Jonathan Major's character in Creed. So, rock with what I knew. I forgot it. The, the not Creed. But anyway, um, Damien. Anderson. I'm gonna stick with Kane. Yeah. There's so many things you can do with Kane. You'll be hearing me make make references to this later. But I am so to be official. My name is Joy Stevens. I am a diversity, equity, inclusion consultant to major corporations across the United States and across the world. I am a business owner, a recovering engineer, and <laughs> currently happy go lucky in the beautiful city of Atlanta. Um, I, too, have had a long day, and sometimes when you had a long day, you try to find ways to, you know, we'll call it self-medicate in order to <laughs> relax, and sometimes you don't know what you're doing, and so good luck, everybody. <laughs> everybody not you everybody, everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is similar to like lactose intolerant people who drink milk it's not my problem it's y'all <laughs> right? who had to deal with me <laughs> mm. alright thank you for that introduction Joy uh, uh, James you know, tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself I'm James I am a DC Marvel geek, not, I won't say fanatic, uh, Spider Man fanatic, uh, mostly, uh, hardcore sports junkie. Junkie is implied and, um, yeah, deliberate, uh, football primarily. So, yeah. 
and I'm ready to talk about Killmonger versus Kane because <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, I am Kyle. Um, I am a pro paint. I sell pro paint and pro paint accessories at your uh, local Sherwin Williams. Um, I am a Marvel fan, DC fanatic. Uh, <laughs> let's see, sports enthusiast, film buff, love films. So when this movie came out, I was like, this is definitely one for sure that uh, I had to check off my list for this year. Um, and I was not disappointed. So, all right, let's get started. So uh, I think the first question I want to kind of ask, uh, has, has anyone seen the all the previous, all the previous Rocky movies yep. prior to the, uh, the Creed universe? Even I the bad ones. All of them except yeah. the one where Rocky's son was grown. But I did no. see the best scene from that because it played across the internet for a long time. <laughs> All right. And then uh so and then everyone's well versed on the, the previous two Creed movies, right? So mm-hmm. Creed one, Creed two. Okay. So so Teresa, you said no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you wouldn't notice, but um <laughs> No, I have not. Seen Notice the now. Other <laughs> All right. So, uh, James and Joy. So, comparing the, because at this point, we are at a trilogy point mm-hmm. with Creed 1, Creed 2, and Creed 3. When compared to the previous Rockies, uh, Rocky 1, Rocky 2, and Rocky 3, how, how would you, how would you compare the two? Would, would you say one is, Rather than the other, would you say they're fairly equal? How would you how would you compare them? Um, I don't know if I call them all equal. Um, kind of like the first three Rocky movies, each one ramped up the stakes. I would say the entertainment value in each of the three Creed films elevated. You know, you were excited when you first heard, "Oh, they're doing the Creed movie about Apollo's kid." All right, how does this work? Because which one of his sons is it? Because if you remember, I think it was even there in Rocky. Don't nobody remember that. <laughs> For those who are old enough, if you remember, <laughs> I want to say Rocky Four, um, where Apollo meets his demise. <gasps> spoilers. <I> spoilers. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna break you. Um, there is a scene where I think. Rocky comes to Apollo's house or vice versa, whatever, whoever's house is, you can see Apollo's kids in the background playing around. Right. So say all that to say, you're trying to figure out how this works because that was in the 80s. Those kids would be grown, grown. as hell right now, like right. 40-ish <laughs> or yeah. something close to it. Why, why are we making <laughs> the film? So when this whole thing came about and, you know, he has, you know, kid with a side chick or groupie if you will whatever yeah happens to be michael b jordan's character it it doesn't completely tarnish what was established in the rocky films about apollo um right. but it is a, a change of pace of the lackluster ending to the rocky series we got because let's be real after rocky five everything was trash yeah wait how many were there there were seven. five or were there seven rockies yes seven i stopped at four I think there were seven thought, Rockies because the last there were six. Oh, Rocky you was wondering like Rocky goes to space. Like, what did they do for seven? <laughs> right. No, Rocky in, X. In, in Rocky Balboa, he comes out of retirement um, because it was one of those things where the current heavyweight champion um, 
I'm already Jason Dixon himself as like the goat and boxing analysts were like, well, we did a simulation between the current champion and Rocky Balboa and the and Rocky the, came out of retirement. Right. And he came out of retirement for a three round exhibition. And the boxer in that film was played by Antonio Tarver, actual boxer, um, yeah. middleweight box class, I believe. And, you know, after the first round, he's looking at Rocky like, yo, what are you doing? It's supposed to be a friendly exhibition. Like, I'm not trying to basically the character that Tarver's playing is in a no-win situation because you can't yeah. lose a three-round exhibition to Rocky mm-hmm. Balboa, but at the same time, you can't knock an old man out. Yes, you right. can. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can. It would have been exactly nine minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would say the entertainment value of each of the three Creed films elevated from the previous one. So Right. Okay. Uh, Joy, what do you think? Um... So if you would mind, if you can put up Latoya F's comment, um, I want to speak to that when she was like, there's no comparison to the Rocky films for me because of the black experience that they've depicted so well, specifically in Creed 3. Yeah. So I'll be talking yeah. about this for the rest of the night, but she's right. We're, we're, I do think that it is an apples and oranges situation. And I also think that we're not looking at two, we're not looking at an evolution of the Rocky franchise. This is these could very well stand alone. If I never knew who Rocky was, that first movie is still good. The second movie, yeah. honestly, I thought was better. And I do believe that they have gotten, they have improved in their character development and entertainment value all the way through. I can yeah. be notwithstanding. Um, and I think <laughs> that the character development in these movies is better. The first movies. I can't tell you what happened in Rocky 1, 2, and 3. I know he lost something at one point, and then Clubber Lang was in there saying, I pity the fool. That all runs together. <laughs> it was some Rocky movies, and then if he dies, he dies. And then I don't know what they did after that, and nobody cares, right? Yeah. They probably let it go on for too long, same way they did with Rambo. Why is Stallone still playing Rambo, by the way? But um, <laughs> we ain't got Son of Rambo yet. What, what are we no. doing? <laughs> with, these, with these Creed movies, you've got the backstory, the understanding, a little bit more understanding of why he wanted to become a boxer in the first place. The character development is so much deeper, which makes oh, yeah. the movie richer for me. And then the, I know Rocky, Sylvester Sloan was nominated for an Oscar with his portrayal of Rocky. I believe that, um, what's my baby name? Wallace. I believe that Wallace, what's his name? Michael, Michael B. Jordan. Jordan, thank you. <laughs> Um, I believe that Michael B. Jordan has done a really good job of portraying the nuanced uh, black male character that struggles with, you know, dealing with previous trauma, misunderstandings, dealing with their own emotions in a world that tells you that you can't feel anything but anger and how he takes it out. All of that hit for me in the first one. Seeing him cry in the second movie when he was like, how am I going to face my daughter? That was so good. And then this movie... <laughs> As this third movie, I walked out and I put this on Facebook. This movie was almost perfect for me. And black men, y'all need to go to therapy. I'm just saying. All yeah. y'all need some yeah. help. You can't, yeah, I, you can't just keep whooping ass until you get through your problem. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will say this. So yes, the, the last thing you said about this third film, yes, black men go get therapy. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly, especially men in my age range, mid 40s mm-hmm. and up, especially um, because, because men younger than that have no problem getting therapy. It's them, it's them 40 and 50 year olds is messed right. up. Right. <laughs> and because, again, we came up in an era where basically 
you weren't allowed to express yourself how you're feeling um your anger just stayed festered deal with it channel it mm -hmm. into something else do something right. constructive with it don't express it or anything like that and well, yeah, all, all emotion was expressed through violence. Right. If you're angry, punch something. If you punch happy, something. wrestle something. If you <laughs> love somebody, pin them to the ground. Like, it was and, the same shit. And that's how our <laughs> friendships pretty much develop amongst Black men. We fight each other. Like, you said something about my mama's cousin's sec second baby sister. So we got to scrap. And we're going to be cool <laughs> afterwards. All right? We got it all out our system because we knocked each other out. And let's not also discount the Black women that have to love y'all raggedy asses through all this. <laughs> So I appreciate you. We love you too. <laughs> I appreciate Tessa Thompson's character in all the movies because she gave him space to grow into his own understanding. Mm -hmm. And even in this movie, you see, you can tell he's been doing the work, as they say, with therapy. You can tell that Creed, Apollo, Adonis, has been doing it. Dame, bruh. Well, Dame was locked up for 17 yeah. years before he was yeah. You, that's the thing is you got to know you need therapy to see yeah. it. Yeah. And and in this film, you can see Adonis coming to the realization like, yeah, I do need because now his wife is like, I've given you space before. You need help. You need to talk to somebody because yeah. this can't happen again, especially not around our daughter. So. Right. It was reminiscent to me. They did a better job than I'm going to pull a weird reference. Luke Cage season two. Oh, where they God. tried to show uh, Luke Cage being angry and violent around the nurse. What's her name? Yeah, Night Nurse. Yeah, Night, Night Nurse. That's not her name. That's the character's name. That's her. Rosario that's her cold name. Rosario Dawson is the. Thank character. you. <laughs> um, the and she talked about how when he punched the wall, and she was like, I've been in situations where the guy I'm with or the guy I know has punched the wall and ends up punching me, and so she left. And they talked about that inability to correctly channel your emotions um but it was heavy-handed and they didn't spend enough time on it i thought they did a better job in this movie better budget whole different production studio but i thought they did yeah. a good job and let's remember this is michael b jordan's directorial debut, debut yes. right yeah. killed it so I, I fully expect to see some oscar nod or golden globes or something for this next year yeah so i know, I know so I'm a huge fan of the Rocky. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the Rocky franchise. Uh, watching the first two movies, I actually got a chance to, you know, just rewatch a couple of the movies prior to seeing this movie. Um, I will say, this third, the third iteration of this movie, the you know, Creed one, Creed two, and Creed three, in my opinion, are superior to the first three uh, Rockies. Um, for, so, just in my opinion, from a from a villain standpoint, hmm. um, I'm I'm huge. Like, in my opinion, a good villain, a good hero is always good as is always good as his villain. So when you have a top tier, well um, well fleshed out villain, mm -hmm. I think that makes for a great movie. It makes for a great hero. Um, the character that we got in uh, Dame for this movie. Better than any villain we we we've gotten in the Rocky franchise. Better than Ivan Drago. Better than Clubber mm -hmm. Lane because he wasn't a cartoon. Right, right. He wasn't. He wasn't a cartoon. He wasn't a caricature. He was someone you you could actually believe actually exists. He was a and developed wasn't character too. Exactly. And I mean, it wasn't you didn't campy. really get any backstory on um, Ivan Drago and right. and yeah, he was more he, like you said he was a, more of a character than a caricature. 
Correct. Right. There are all the the previous villains, at least the the antagonists in these movies have been, you know, versions of Punch Out. Right. Just right. the next biggest bad person to beat up. <laughs> yeah. Not Punch right. Out. <laughs> um, and with Drago's son, you got a whole backstory. I know. I know when this kid was born. I know his parents. I know right. what he's been through. Um, I know that this kid is just fresh out. You know, and I know what Adonis has been through because I know. And again, this does put put those two series together. I remember Apollo. Yeah. So now I'm watching Apollo's kid. So I know that backstory, the shoes he had to fill, et cetera. This is a better set of movies. And I believe that Michael B. Jordan has been taking notes from his homeboy, Ryan Coogler, because mm-hmm. didn't Coogler do the first one? The first two yep. films. First two films. Right I feel like he left station. a set of notes, like some, some uh, cheese sheets, but this is how you direct a movie well, you know? Yeah, I think Coogler did some writing on the third one. He did. He did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he got a... I wanted, I know he got executive producer credit for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I saw his name in the writer's credit. Yep. So even I, I'd say even the first Creed film, even the even though your villain uh, in Pretty Ricky Conlon isn't like really fleshed out, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that movie you get more of the relationship with Adonis and Rocky. Yeah. And I think I think so the the I think I think the villain, I don't think there's a villain in the first Creed film. I think, like Joyce Hughes or antagonist, I think the antagonist in the first Creed film is himself. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I can agree with that. I can he's agree with struggling that. with his identity. When we start mm-hmm. that movie, okay, we get the flashback of, you know, Felicia Rashad's character being recast as Apollo's widow, um, coming into the juvenile detention center and getting him out, taking him home, whatever. And then we flash forward, and he's in a suit and a tie working in an office, and he feels choked off and confined like this isn't me and he immediately just like it's like we see him on a day where he's reaches breaking point he just bounces immediately goes to the gym and is pissed off and is like i fight anybody in here bring it and he starts knocking out all the top fighters in the gym for no good reason other than he's frustrated because he doesn't know what to do with himself so yeah and there's that un uncontrolled and unexplained anger you know so, yeah, the, i would say in the first creed film he is his like literally like pretty much any human being walking the face of the earth, yeah. you are your own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And then the love of a good woman helped him get his life together. <laughs> I'm not and wrong. I was wrong earlier. There are six Rocky films, not seven. Sorry, six. It's still mm-hmm. three. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, because right. um, like that uh, was it. Um, who was the the antagonist in the fifth Tommy that Tommy Gunn one? Tommy Gunn, so yes, because Rocky's now past yeah, like, boxing, he's broke, lost remember, all his money, remember, and he finds a kid to to train. Yeah. I remember first watching that one; it was like really disappointing. We didn't get actual fight. Is it is Kyle frozen for everybody else? Yes. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> You're back. You back, Kyle? Nope. Nope. Okay. So I have a question for, for the rest of y'all. Um, do you want to see more Creed movies or do you think they should end with the perfect trilogy? You're lagging, Kyle. There's a bit of a lag over there. Um, Joy, to answer your question, um, <laughs> they could end it here. Actually, they could have ended it at the end of the second film. The fact that we got a third was a pleasant and welcome surprise. But if you look at how Creed 2 ends, that could have been the end of everything because of how it wraps up and it's dealing with basically sons dealing with 
the legacies of their dads because mm-hmm. I'm fighting this dude whose dad killed my dad, but he's not really that bad of a dude considering they became friends in the time frame between two and three. Right. And he no. got it, and he didn't do anything to my dad. He's got no. his own. So that is breaking a generational curse in that second. Yeah. So in this film, we got the same thing. We have a closing resolution to the issues at hand be- between Adonis mm-hmm. and Damien. And it could end right here, or mm-hmm. we could get a fourth film. But considering how they trek through these three films. Mm-hmm. This film starts off with his final fight and him going into retirement to groom the next generation of boxers and then coming out of retirement after three years have passed Mm -hmm. to take down Dane. Considering how well they they crafted the, you know, the history of injuries he took in the previous two films, broken orbital socket, broken hand, cracked lung, you know, cracked ribs um, and everything else he had to deal with and how he had to box around all those things. That was actually a callback to what right. Rocky, unfortunately, I'm bringing up a Rocky film, the last Rocky film, Rocky Balboa, when he was fighting um, Antonio Carver's character in that movie. Again, he's mm-hmm. like knocking 60 as Rocky in that movie. And they're talking about you, you got nothing in your knees. Your 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 hands basically have like calcium deposits and and all this other stuff or whatever like that. Have That's you, what I was like, going to say can't punch or do anything like you're old and you're brittle like you'll be lucky if one punch doesn't break your ribs not crack them type thing and that that was pretty much the same thing that they were telling adonis in this film here are all your injuries these are all the things dame's going to attack so for for him to be the focal character no but like toya said if you know time passing and you'd want to you know go with his daughter through the amateur ranks because she looked to be about what like eight if you will Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that's a thing, and, and, and her, his daughter. Did anybody else <laughs> side with Adonis when they went after his daughter, knocked out the little girl who ripped up his paper? <laughs> of course. Like I'm looking at the teacher, like I'm with Adonis. Where's the little girl who ripped my daughter's right? Paper up? Why aren't you talking to her parents? And again, she when we talk, go ahead. And she so, was like, a, a little junior Karen in the making. She needed slapping. and if your parents are going to give it to you I will Right. um, I also think when we talk about how this portrays the black experience that disparity and punishment Mm -hmm. potentially not explicitly but potentially based on skin color came up here why is my kid the only one in here when she started ripping up my kid's paper and that my kid deserved to defend herself or to stand up for her own rights she used her fists but don't come in here messing with my stuff. You know, right. don't touch nothing that belongs to me. I wasn't bothering you. I was sitting here right. coloring, minding my business. And Stay out of my personal up. space. Punk stuff up to get beat down. <laughs> Uncle sandwiches for everybody. Yeah, these hands are ready. Everybody. <laughs> Shout out to my baby on TikTok. Basically, you don't start none, won't be none. Facts. Right. She literally so- stepped around to find out. Exactly. <laughs> So I know the beginning parts of this movie uh, where we get the first fight between at the rematch between Adonis and Ricky Conlon, mm-hmm. um, the visual, <clears throat> the visual aspect of it. Um, so I I smile at that point. So I know Michael B. Jordan has a really big like anime, yep. um, anime influence. Mm-hmm. So when you so usually when you think of like movie directors, white, they talk about their influences, whether it be like Spielberg. Or you know mm-hmm. uh, Stanley Kubrick, people like that. 
but now you're starting to see more diversity as far as people, you know, producing films, people that are a little bit younger, uh, people that have, you know, like young Hollywood starting to make films, and you're starting to see some of their influences. So, like, with Adonis is bobbing and weaving, and, like, slow, time is slowing down, and he's, mm-hmm. like, he's, like, uh, looking at the body, different parts of the body he can kind of dissect to go mm-hmm. after. Anime influences. I love that. I absolutely right. love the that. The slow motion. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I also I like that they they hit each other for real. And um, did anybody make the connection since we're talking Killmonger and Kang that they mm-hmm. had their final fight on the ancestral plane? Yeah. Indeed. And for both of those points, the the ancestral plane in the final fight and the opening fight, even with um, even in Damien's fight, you can see the anime influence of, you know, the, how the characters are bobbing and weave because yeah. typically when you see, and I'm not talking about like a Dragon Ball Z type fight or yeah. anything like that. I'm talking about like action anime where, you know, fighting is a key point and it's nothing really high speed. It's actual likes, you know, whether it's sword play or fisticuffs or anything like that, how, you know, the characters tend to slow things down to see what's mm-hmm. coming at them or anything like that. You saw that all throughout pretty much every single fight in here, just, you know, even the opening fight, you can see the expression of Michael B. Jordan's face every time is like the the character, the other, his opponent through that com- that same combination, and he would duck it. He'd be like, "Wait, <laughs> I'm seeing things. Nah, nah, nah. He ain't go through this combo. I'm gonna take this punch. I'm gonna take this punch. Wait, it's the same. Wait, he, yeah, he yeah, again? yeah. And, and then he goes to his corner, and, his, and his, you know, his corner man is like, "What, what are you out there doing?" And you see his wife sign to him like, "Stop playing around. Knock him out." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like. I got him where I want him, you know. Stop tripping, checkmate. Oh, checkmate? Yeah, checkmate. So as soon as he comes out, throws that combo again, it's like boom, right in the kidneys. <laughs> After that, it was just lights out. One of the beauties of anime anime driven style like that is you are <laughs> able to understand the thought process of somebody by what they're paying attention to. Because if they just Absolutely. film that, even if they filmed it in slow motion. <laughs> I don't know that I'm supposed to be looking at how he's leaving himself open, but mm-hmm. slowing it down and watching him focus on that over and over. Oh, he's going to hit him there. It's it's foreshadowing visually. I love mm-hmm. it. Yep, I still absolutely. Don't want to be this high. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that because like uh, so prior to seeing this movie, um, I listened to a podcast where Jonathan Majors got a chance to talk about his portrayal of his character um, and the physicality of his character. So mm-hmm. him building up his comparison between him and Adonis, him and Adonis, him building up that physique, you know, being in uh, a prison. He looks fresh out. Yeah. See, see him like being in a prison for 17 years, you having to build up that physique to stay alive. You know, those muscles are are vanity muscles. Those muscles mm-hmm. are built to help you survive. You know uh, the shoulders, you know, built mm-hmm. to to hold the weight of that. It's just like it's crazy, mm-hmm. and just listening to you know him uh, develop that fighting style that he had in the movie, to, similar to like Tyson, to where he's like very close to the chest, yeah, and the way all power, and mm-hmm. all power, all power. And I love that because it's like uh, he also pointed to like his his stepfather uh, was in prison for a prolonged period of time. So being able to you know portray that character a dame is almost like a, a an homage mm-hmm. or a, um, a love letter to his stepfather. I really appreciated that. And I was like, you're really getting to see his acting chops 
um, you know, on full display. And like that kind of, it, I'm not gonna lie, left a bad taste in my mouth after watching Quantumania because I'm just like, yo, like, <laughs> they did my boy dirty. They did him dirty. <laughs> you don't have, have to let that go, man. <laughs> but I, but no, um, you know, with this with this movie, and then I know with magazine magazine dreams coming out, and I'm I'm really glad he's able to. Um, to Be really naked. show off his acting chops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, naked. We do appreciate. We do appreciate that. Now I do think he's a butterface, but I'm loving Nick now. I like. Uh, there's something very like rugged and very just like. He looks like civil rights. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he, he looks. I was gonna say like purely just motherland in his face, and I I, I can appreciate that. He looked like he marched with King. <laughs> he looks like civil rights. I'm, o- I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. And it's not just the features themselves. It's how they all come together. It's the soulful, sad eyes that say, I'm tired, but I'm yeah. going. His whole, and exactly. He's very emotive, too. He's got that same ability that I see in Rami Malek. The dude that played uh, Freddie uh, Mercury, Mercury, where they can say absolutely nothing and carry a scene with the emotion in their face. If you haven't seen absolutely. Devotion, which is Jonathan Major's other movie that came out early, uh, mm-hmm. last year, earlier this, yeah. so this year, the fighter pilot. No, was this, was yeah. this year? There were no, moments in that movie something. where he didn't say a word, and I almost cried. Yeah, right. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I thought he. I thought his portrayal of of, of Dame was really was really really good. I thought that the the actor that played the young version of Dame was really good. Yeah, yeah. very very good. I um, also like um, to your point about you know spending <clears throat> an extended amount of time in prison. That whole idea of how angry you will be to watch somebody else live the life you planned for yourself. Right. right. One thing to know you messed up, you know, you've been banging your whole life and you go to jail, you didn't expect to live past 23 anyway, but to be at the, the prime of the beginning of your career, because he was about to take off. Yeah. About to go pro. And mm-hmm. then what, what I like, and I hope I'm, I, I know I'm about to spoil it for you, but everybody should see by now. But um, what I like is that, Ultimately, he comes to realize you did it to yourself, son. Anybody told you to bring a gun up here? You could have just jumped in the fight and been fighting, but now you decided to pull. And now, and you didn't run fast enough. Everybody know you run when it comes. As a matter of fact, you still ain't fast enough, which is why you lost this foot. <laughs> you need to work on your agility. So you need agility plus five, damn it. <laughs> but you know, coming to grips with the with the idea that this wasn't anybody else's fault but your own. Right. Nobody put that gun in your hand. Nobody told you to do what you what they did. Um, but watching someone you know live a life you planned for yourself had to be particularly painful Jarring. and traumatizing. Yeah. And understanding the anger, misplaced, but absolutely potent that he had for all of that. I thought, I believed him. I believed him and I hated Jonathan Majors for a good portion of this movie. Like, ooh, you ain't. And, you know, watching how he made moves, watching how he never really let go of that yes. mentality. Mm, which was, all of us have friends that can't get out the hood because the hood is in their mind, mm-hmm. not necessarily in their environment. You know, I, I saw all of that with him. And that's a whole lot to portray in a few scenes with a few looks. And that's why Jonathan Majors is a rare actor. He is a rare talent. I really commend him for what he's able to do now you mentioned all that and i want to piggyback on that a little bit because one of the key things to his anger and everything that he threw back in the face of adonis 
was after he won the title and Adonis figured out that this was all a setup after, you know, his mom was like, Mm -hmm. these are all the letters he sent and I wanted to keep him away from you or whatever. He's looking in the picture and realizes the guy who broke Drago's Mm -hmm. hand was one of his, one of Dame's boys from prison, goes to confront him, calls him out on it. He's like, yeah, I did. And to your point, Joy says all that. Watch somebody live your life while you're locked up and everything. Mm-hmm. And as Adonis tries to walk away, he hits him with something Adonis pretty much took umbrage with in the first film. Baby Creed. Baby Creed. Mm-hmm. And that cut deep to go all the way back mm-hmm. to the first one. Because remember, in the second film, no one's calling him Baby Creed. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the in the first movie, everybody's calling him Baby <clears throat> Creed. Remember, he, was, he went to go to... Uh, Tessa Thompson's character has like a, a music show or whatever and mm-hmm. backstage with some artists and he's like, oh, big ups. Yeah, this your homie. Yeah, let me get a photo real quick. Good job, Baby Creed. Keep doing it. It's like, yo, man, don't call me back. Oh, no. it's, all, it's all love, Baby Creed. You want to be like, yo, really, stop calling me. Stop mm-hmm. calling me that. So he, he, to some extent, it still stings to hear that mm-hmm. for him. You know, so I, I thought that was a very emotion for not a lot happening. That was a very pivotal and emotional scene there. Yeah. You know, and then he just sucker punches them out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, that that I, I love the storytelling in so little happening, but saying so much to what the callback is in reference to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to go see <clears throat> Creed through with my girlfriend. She uh so she loved Jonathan Majors, just uh Jonathan Majors character, uh loved, loved the portrayal of it, but she was upset when Michael B. Jordan at the end of that movie because she felt Michael B. Jordan didn't have to take the championship away from Dame. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He had to. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> That's what Dame wanted. The only way to hurt somebody is to take what they love most. That's the only way to hurt them. Dame, pretty much from the moment he got out and is introducing this film, all he wants is a title shot. He doesn't care who it's against. Mm-hmm. doesn't uh-huh. care who has it. He wants uh-huh. that title shot. Everything he did was to get a title shot. Even mm-hmm. plans to so-called, you know, Homie from the hood, if I got to play you to get what I want, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. If I got to hurt this dude in the ring to show you your boy who's champion ain't squat, I will mm-hmm. do that. If I got to, you know, do dirty underhanded stuff to win this fight and cripple him in this ring, I will do that. Mm-hmm. Like the hunger in him was all for getting that belt. So, yeah, you got to take that title from him. Not only that, but as I started with my first comment, all black men go get some therapy. If you don't take that title from him, he feels justified and vindicated for all the bullshit he's done up to that point. Because I told you I was the best, and look at me, now I'm the best, no matter how I got here. This way, I thought I was the best, but everything I did, everything I tried, all the underhanded, dirty shit that I did left me back in the same spot with nothing. And I've lost a friend, potentially. He had to, he hit rock bottom. Yeah. That was the only way he was going to do that. And now- So you, think he, <laughs> so you think he beat his ass to, to, to more or less, like, to help him? To stop him from being worse. Because right, like yeah. anybody who doesn't face their own demons, they get bigger and stronger. What could mm-hmm. he have done as a title owner to the next person that wants the title fight? He's right. killing people in the ring after this. Right, right, because we see that he's got that thuggery in him. So, I mean, <laughs> the only way to stop it is to beat him. Mm-hmm. And look, you, you can tell from Adonis's lines in this film when he's finally, you know, talking to Tessa Thompson, his his wife, about this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, in some way, I feel responsible, you know, because he got locked up, but I ran away. I This is still like 
it may not be on me, but I feel like it's on me. So I I have to fix this because no matter what the outside says and the outside can say, it's not your fault. You did nothing wrong. You looked out for yourself. Mm-hmm. But for him internally, that stuck with him all this time. And he put it, you know, it was out of sight, out of mind until he saw him. And then it was like all this guilt welled up. Like, let, let me help him out. Let me let me put him up in the gym. Let me let me sponsor mm-hmm. him. Let me train him. Let me do this. And like he's thinking I'm doing all these things because I owe this dude because he served time that I probably should have served, too. Right. And that's another thing, like Latoya was saying, like he was big enough to fight that dude that attacked uh, Adonis without pulling a gun, but he chose to pull a gun. That made his sentence worse. They might have both gotten off with just straight battery assault, right? right. Instead of going down for possession uh, with intent or whatever it might have been that, uh, no, that's drugs, possession with intent. Anyway, firearms <laughs> and all of that. He made it worse. And he also had the option of letting Adonis get his ass whooped. And watch him from the car. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, you I mean, it's out, true. Right? Because he, yeah, Adonis really had it handled. I mean, because the old man. Well, he had it handled until the dude's backup showed up. Well, yeah. 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 And if Adonis was running, you should have ran in. Run back to the car. There's a lot of other <laughs> But three on one on a kid, and Adonis is like supposedly 13, 14 at that point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you you can't let three grown men beat up a fourteen year old. I mean, he started. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yes, he did, but I mean, again, that goes back to the anger and rage of the group mm-hmm. home you were staying in. So it was a bunch of bad decisions that night. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was a bunch of bad decisions. So yeah, the, the trigger of seeing a dude who basically abused you in a group home, and now you can actually defend yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Nope. Tr- trust me, at fourteen, any fourteen year old would take that shot. Like, yeah, I can whoop this dude's ass now. Yo, yeah, yeah. remember me? Pop and I do it again. Pop, pop, pop. Just keep right. over and over. Just yeah, if he'd have been alone, that'd have been he'd have been uh lights out for that dude. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that you have uh brains versus brawn the entire time. Mm-hmm. Because even in one of the earlier fights, Adonis was talking about, you know, basically listen to your corner and watch for the hook, right? For the whole thing. And you're seeing at the end of at the end of the movie. Dame is definitely more powerful. He hits like Tyson, right? He's a anvil yeah. and a glove. Um, but let yeah. me come to that in a second. But um, Adonis yeah. is like, I'm gonna be smarter than you because he goaded him into that fight in the first place by yeah. going on TV to make himself a target, baited him into the whole thing. He planned that out, and it's the planning that won the championship, not the raw, the raw power. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you gotta find, as we said, a more creative and more productive way to use all this anger and violence and power that you got inside you you know yeah so uh let was let's talk about the conversation between Adonis and his wife mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i know for for me uh as far as it, it hit me it pretty much got to my pew uh as so far there's, as there's more to this comment to to try to get your man to talk to you instead of living in anger that's the rest of it but yeah leave this part up yeah yeah, I was going to say, uh, as far as communication, because I know communication, as far as in, in my relationship, has been, an, it was an issue until I had to you know, address, like, hey, you know, I need to communicate more with my partner, you know, and be more open as far as like, my feelings and as far as, you know, what's going on with me. So I appreciate that, you know, them addressing that in this movie with this character, because it's like, you know, you're a fighter. But at the same time, you know, you have a partner who's over here trying to understand, you know, what's going on with you. 
and she's not really getting a backstory as far as you know what's going on with you know the past between you and Dame. So I like I said, I really appreciate the fact that this film you know managed to do that and show a more vulnerable side to Adonis. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I also like, and I apologize if this is triggering for anyone, but I also like the fact that for the for a good portion of that movie, I thought he had been sexually molested in that home. Because that is what the yeah. that is what a traumatic story tends to be, and that's one of the tropes mm-hmm. that Hollywood falls back on. I like that it was he got beat up a lot, beat you know within an inch of his life, and it was physical abuse and not sexual abuse. I like that right. they didn't take that easy route too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, mm-hmm. and and yeah, because it, it lets you see that abuse is abuse, and that you can be oh, traumatized by all kind of violence and not just sexual violence. Because I want people to understand that trauma takes a whole lot, uh, there's a whole spectrum of it, and not just this one thing that we tend to go to um, as the only excuse for adult problems is if you had sexual trauma in your background. There's a whole lot of reasons people be jacked up when they hit 30 for something to happen when they were 10, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) But no, Kyle, you're right. Um, Being in relationships and, you know, having anger and not being able to express it, it's, it's not cool. And as right. someone who is currently in therapy, yes, it helps because you have an outlet now that is, you know, not going to judge you, not going to make any snap decisions, will openly listen to you, which help you feel. And sometimes you don't feel that way in your relationships, no matter how good or close they are, because you feel like, well, I've known this person X number of years. If I tell them this thing from my past, they will judge me. Mm-hmm. You know, will they le- will they let me be me? Will they let me be vulnerable? So, yeah, uh, while they didn't show him actually going to therapy, I feel like, you know, should there be a fourth film and it, you know, it, if it does sit around his daughter being an amateur boxer or whatever, maybe they'll show some scenes of him being in therapy or something like that. Or um, running a home or something for other kids for other who kids, are yeah. on, on the edge, you know. But, um, yeah. The thing about therapy, and this is another PSA to black men out there, <laughs> your girlfriend is not your therapist. No right. And so that is another thing that a lot of black a lot, women in general, because women are asked to do a lot of emotional work that they shouldn't have to shoulder in addition to being a partner in a relationship. But black women in particular, since we're already as black people at the bottom of this American race and to, racism totem pole to also be burdened by holding up a black man that's supposed to equally hold us up, but sometimes abuses us as well. That is a terrible place to be as a black woman. I got to fix you and me and the rest of the world. I do this for a living. I told you I do DE&I on my daily life. I ain't got time to have some dude sit on my couch eating up all my food telling me about his <laughs> I'm not rated for that. I am not rated for that. There's people that you pay for that. The right. same way you pay to get a fade, the same way that you pay to get a pedicure, pay to get your mind checked. I'm not your doctor. And asking black women, there's a, there's a few TikToks that are going around about this saying, you know, um, this dude's like, I know I'm toxic. And they're like, are you going to go to therapy? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to keep putting this good deal on this woman and then eating up all her food and let her handle <laughs> our free while I get sex her real good and see how long that lasts. And then I'll find another one. And I was like, damn. <laughs> That's kind of how that goes. It is, unfortunately. Hashtag stay toxic. <laughs> but we, we can do better collectively. Yeah. I love that the younger generations are um, seeing therapy the same way they see going to the endocrinologist or to get an annual checkup or to the gynecologist, whatever it might be. 
you are you need to take care of your brain the same way you take care of your heart your lungs everything else right yeah i, I absolutely love, like i said i absolutely love they touched on that in this movie mm-hmm. so like big ups big ups and yeah that, very exactly very good points very very good points so speaking to a fourth movie if they decide to do a fourth movie i know <clears throat> as far as his daughter being more or less like a focal point or a side focal point of that film. Do you think any other characters in the in the Kree universe could be uh, other focal points of the movie besides his daughter? No. Nah. I mean, that would continue in a line of bots and movies. I mean, then killed off his mama. She ain't doing she ain't <laughs> Um, and then there's really nobody outside the family that we have that much of an understanding of, you know. Right, because um, they would have to bring in a new son. person. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. when, when he's snapping at Felicia Rashad's character, his, his mom, um, you know, I'm taking care of you. I do all this, and you kept this person from me for my entire life, and all this other stuff. And then the next time we see her, she's dying because of a second or third stroke at this point. Right. Um, we knew she was gonna die when the movie started. The minute they said she had had a stroke, I was like, "Ching will make it through the same." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they you know in a roundabout you know throwaway line type of way they do mention Apollo's other kids, but you know where the hell are they? So <laughs> so we're spending all of Apollo's money. That's what they're doing. Day jobs. <laughs> But they um, actually they they kind of pointed at the daughter wanted to wanting to fight I, yes. a couple mm-hmm. of times so that that seems like the obvious and he um, had been training her in secret mm-hmm. right but I would love to see them age her up um in say the maybe <clears throat> two or three years and do uh you know and it won't be it'll be another Creed movie but it'll be you know Creed Evolution or something like that <laughs> when we're talking to her yeah. But yeah, and even with the training of her, like her mom didn't want her to fight unless she knew the how and the why. It's like, don't just teach her how to fight, Mm -hmm. teach her why you're fighting. And that relationship, you know, when he catches her hiding out in the gym or whatever, is like, what are you doing back here? Like, I'm watching your fight. You're watching my fight. I've watched all your fights. Oh, you watch all my fights. Okay, sh- show me what you've learned or whatever. It's like, okay, now let me teach you how to throw a punch and teach you why you throw a punch. So he's taking all that to heart. Like, all right, my wife, mm-hmm. I-, I shouldn't be training her, but if I am going to train her, let me teach her that not just the how, but the why as well. So to give her that foundational understanding because mm-hmm. he necessarily didn't, look, from what we've seen in these three films, he didn't have that foundation. He mm-hmm. didn't have the why you fight. He just knew the how to fight. Because right. again, going back to the first film, anger frustration mm-hmm. this is me releasing everything pent up in me i just need to knock somebody out to feel better right sometimes you do need to knock somebody out though <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you know a whooping is called for mm-hmm. but you know time that's still a why the time and a place you know yeah, yeah. I, so yes i i, I I personally agree his daughter could be like a, a side focal point as far as in you know a fourth movie coming out um, you know, Ivan Drago's son, definitely not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, another character that I thought possibly could be, you know, one of those side characters, uh, Felix Chavez, the kid that got uh, knocked out by Dame, or pretty much got, because he's pretty much mm-hmm. on on an ascension towards being a... Uh, Didn't he already have the title? He, he had the title. Yeah, 
he had a title, but he had it unceremoniously taken away. Like, I mean, pretty yeah. much got embarrassed. Pretty much got embarrassed um, mm-hmm. in the fight that he had with Dame. So pretty much him coming to grips with that and having to fight his way back to either mm-hmm. to that point of prominence and, and possibly dealing with those inner demons, you know, him dealing with that could be something that they touch the PTSD on. PTSD of basically almost dying in the ring. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, no, yes, that would be yes. great. Yeah. Maybe not as another beginning of a franchise, <laughs> but a standalone movie, that would be really, really good. Yeah. Um, can Dang. we have a moment, though, because like, representation matters for yes. the whole, like, uh, um, Talo Khan Namur moment that he had <laughs> when he was walking into the ring. I was in the Day of the Dead, Dear Deliver, the Lucha Door. All of it. I was here for all of it. I was so excited to see yeah, that. That was pretty you know? cool. That was so yeah. cool. It was so cool. Um, and I love that they let him, even though he was ultimately a minor character in the in this particular movie, I would love to see mm-hmm. more of his story. And I love that they put that in from a, just from a representation standpoint, because yeah. I'm sure there were a whole lot of people, because I'm not Afro-Latina, but I do appreciate all cultures. And when I saw that, I was like, yes, bring it, you know? Yeah. The same way I felt about them using um, um, Mesoamerican language, I forget what language it was, in uh, Black Panther. They didn't yeah. make that language up. None of right. the languages are made up in that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, yeah, so like um, I know the guy that plays Felix Chavez, Jose. I think his name is Jose Benavides. He's like an, he's an actual fighter, so has actual in-ring experience. Um, like I said, I would love to see because I know with the success off the based on the success of this movie, because this grossed the most out of the entire film franchise. I know they uh, they're giving Michael B. Jordan like a huge, a huge amount of money to develop spinoff uh, either spinoff shows uh, hmm. through Amazon and anime show. And a uh, and another movie for sure. Cool. So I think that character in particular, I would love to see either an Amazon show, you know, where you have a series of episodes to where you can kind of explore that character as opposed to having to try to get all that chunk into a two-hour film or one yeah. one like a two-hour film or one and a half hour film. So I would love to see a series with that character. Because again, dealing with the uh, the PTSD of not only being embarrassed but almost dying. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's huge, and the fact you know, you know, does he trust Adonis still? Because like mm, that was supposed yeah. to that was supposed to be his guy. Like yeah. that was his that was his uh, his and Oscar the guy that Adonis vouched for almost killed him. Yeah. yeah, and his mother was quite a character too. Because yeah. there's yeah. one point where they're asking you know asking him if he was going to fight or whatever, and his mother was like, "Yeah, he's you know he mm-hmm. she didn't even give him a, a, an opportunity to speak. She's like, yeah, he's down.'" Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, there's some some character <laughs> in there with mm-hmm. her as yeah, well, and, and exploring that what, dynamic. Yeah, I love what Latoya is saying in the chat. She was saying that she lives in Mexico, and the way he walked in is exactly the way they would celebrate. So again, mm-hmm. you have that air of authenticity. It feels so good to me as a person of color to see people of color telling our own stories and our own authentic voice versus mm-hmm. us being the caricature of what someone who hasn't lived our experiences thinks yeah. our life is like. You know, yeah. um, I'm here for it. I'm here for it all day. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, you like can I said, I... do mushrooms and be smart. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that might yeah, be I'm... your, your Whatever you say, Princess Gold School. <laughs> right, <laughs> might have to try that and go to work. <laughs> I'm, cleaning. 
Focus. You can, yeah, I'm focused. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Sylvester Stallone was obviously missing from this movie. And I know a, a lot of it had to do. Not with... really. He too. Had, he had executive producer credit on the film as well. On this movie? Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, either. I thought he didn't perfect. have anything to do with it on purpose. Nope. He got executive producer credit. Now, rather he was hands. Now, executive producer is just a title thrown out. That doesn't mean you actually produce anything. There are producers who are actually hands on and executive producers basically, you know, do things behind behind the scenes, whether it's funding or contributing or whatever like that. Okay. She said, Latoya said, I was happy they made a point to say that I was his mom. I was concerned for a hot <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Hey, she looked there, good. There's nothing wrong with Stella's out there getting their groove back. I am all for. <laughs> I, I, I am all for Stella's getting their groove back. Oh, I mean, have you seen Angela She's better than me. She got a solid 15 years on me. Hey, Auntie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, um, hey, what was the point I was trying to make? Uh, I forgot. You were talking about Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he was absent from this movie. Um, his character is, at least was absent from this movie. Oh, and um, completely absent to that point because they didn't even mention the name Rocky, uh, which I found funny because the trailers leading up to this film, yeah. there there is one scene in one of the trailers where he mentions the legacy of Rocky, his dad, and now him. Yeah. But in this film, that scene didn't make the final cut because there was no mention of Rocky in this movie at all. Right. Uh so personally, I I I I kind of felt a certain kind of way about Sylvester Stallone when he won his supporting role uh Oscar and didn't thank Ryan Coogler or Michael B. Jordan. So Why are you surprised? No, I, I mean I wasn't surprised. I just felt some kind of way about it. Because yeah. it's oh, like yeah. well, you gotta yeah, remember I mean, that you I I again I know I neither know or know of white people who are married to a person of color, still racist. Right. Still supremacists. They don't recognize it because they think to themselves, I have black friends. But then when it comes to something like this, whether it was for a personal, you know, pithy moment or whatever, you don't thank the people that made the whole thing possible because in your mind, you think you made it possible because you're right. Rocky. Yeah, we don't miss him. And I, I won't miss him in the future. Yeah. I got nothing against Sylvester Stallone. I don't know him personally as a, as a human being. However, I recognize when somebody's being an asshole. Yeah. And so I'm not here for it. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I think this, the fact that he, his character wasn't in this film and it's, in my opinion, the best film out of the entire franchise says a lot. Mm -hmm. And Think about if he had been in it, there's going to be a specific demand for a certain amount of screen time, which takes away from the development of everything else that we saw. It's It's not as good of a movie with him in it. Right. Which I kind of felt with the second movie because... The first movie you get, you know, because Creed is seeking out, Adonis is seeking yeah. out the last connection to his dad and goes right. tracking down Rocky. Okay, you get right. it in Creed 1. In Creed 2, a lot of the scenes with Rocky felt shoehorned in because of the, what what did he have in the second film? Cancer or yeah. some type cancer. of lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But he basically had an illness that he was fighting through and basically Adonis was like, you fight this. I'll get into this ring, da 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 mm-hmm. whatever. So it's like you fight, I'll fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. So 
it, it felt more like a dependency type thing. Like we're making a reason for Rocky to be here. I also think that this showed that the stories and the characters in this new franchise are standalone. You don't need Rocky there to prop you up. First movie, Rocky has found a, a Apollo's kid out here being a mess. Second movie, the thing between Rocky and Apollo and Drago is hashed out with the kids. There's still this umbrella, this shadow. Mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone casts a long shadow in these movies. The third one, bro, you over there somewhere. We don't know. We're doing this now. <laughs> and, uh, and this is the best <laughs> of this trilogy. Um, I'm here for it because it does show you that it's not just a retread <clears throat> or uh, right. uh, evolution of an old story. I was very worried when I saw what this movie was going to be about. I was worried they were going to pull a Clubber Lang. Yes. You know, yeah. And do I that. Everybody and everybody didn't do that. that, that mm -hmm. Major was going to be like the son of Clubber Lang. Like, wait, we doing yeah. this again? Fighting another right. son? Type right. Of story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't. Because again, if he was, if they were to turn him a Clubber Lang son, essentially you you run the risk of him becoming a caricature. A caricature mm -hmm. of his Mr. Right. T's character, mm -hmm. so yes. Right. So I'm glad that... He's still alive. Yes, Mr. T is yeah, still alive. alive. Okay. Good. <laughs> you gotta yeah, ask I'm, <laughs> So I'm glad... <laughs> I've reached the age will. of 49 where I gotta ask, is he still alive? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it happens more and more nowadays. <laughs> Mr. T is the lock. His daughter does stand up. Does she really? Yes, Mr. T's daughter does stand up comedy. What is her name? I I I will have to look that up. But um, <laughs> a clip went around on a, a Facebook reel at some point. It was like, yes, I know what y'all thinking. My dad is Mr. T. Yes, that Mr. T. Da 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 da. And she continues to tell a joke about growing up with him. So, yeah, she is a yeah. stand up comedian. Mm -hmm. I know that. That's pretty dope. Cool. Good for her. So, um, so since Rocky wasn't in this one, since Sylvester Stallone wasn't in this one, do you think his character appears appears in any more films? No. Whether you get whether you get a tombstone, no. Gravesite, no. I'll give you a gravesite. No, I'll give you a gravesite. <laughs> Let's put it this way: Rocky could have been dead in this third film, and they still failed to mention it. Because the only gravesite they've been to is Apollo's. And, True. And, yeah, no, you're and right. Now, yeah. And now that his mom is dead and they basically buried her next to Apollo. Rocky is not buried yeah. next to them. No. No. <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah. you're right. We don't know if Rocky's alive or dead. And I, I think it's fine okay to leave it that way. We don't need closure for his story because this is not his arc. That's true. Mm -hmm. But he's a part of it, though. Uh, and? I mean, where's Apollo's other kids then? The, the worker ants are part of building the, the ant hill. The queen doesn't really give two fine flips about them. Mm -hmm. No, my, my only thing is Apollo, Apollo's other kids aren't so a part of the, as far as the Creed art, Apollo's other kids aren't a part of the Creed art. And, Rocky so the, and, and Rocky no longer is. He was up until the second movie. And I saw a lot of parallels between um, what Adrian was saying to him in Rocky Four, you can't win. And the way yeah. he was treating 
Adonis in that movie, uh, brother, I don't, I don't know you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know drop on every three on it. I don't see you do it. And I want to be clear that we are not making fun of people with speech impediments. We're making fun of Sylvester Stallone. Stallone <laughs> hey, yo, Tommy, my night. <laughs> I miss the Union Kane character though from Rock from Rocky Five. That dude was hilarious. Union Kane. He was that's the Don King knockoff. So like, oh, okay, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Union Kane. Uh, Union Kane was a boxer in that film. Uh, dude play what's his name? George Washington something. Shaw, I think George Washington Shaw. Or no, George Washington Duke. George Washington. Yeah, George Washington Duke. Duke. Yeah. And Latoya, the answer to this question is. No more. We do not need him. The the, okay. the umbilical cord has been cut. Or in his case, the vast deference has been cut. We don't need you no more. So Latoya, I, I agree with uh, so I, I kind of agree with you. I would just like to see like a nice little bow, even if it's like a grave site. Even no. if it's a grave site. No, I would just like to see a grave no. What if there's no. just a picture of him in an urn in the background when we pass by and I'll take I'll but, take that. No. I'll take that. An Easter take egg that. to find in the next movie. I, you know, I'll take that. The only piece of egg we need of Rocky is a black and white photo mm-hmm. of him and Apollo punching each other from one of the first two Rocky films, and mm-hmm. that's it. That's I'll take all it. we need. I'll we don't it. need Sylvester Stallone in any way, shape, or form to pretty much be like, oh, Rocky's dead. I don't care. <laughs> Again, we went through this whole so, film with no mention of whether he was alive or dead, and it worked. No so there, is, there is a level. Nothing no <laughs> Well, there is a level of politics involved in this from a Hollywood standpoint. Because mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone is 107, right? So <laughs> if Sylvester Stallone happens to pass away before they do something with another and they make another Creed movie, it would be appropriate to recognize that the actor that played Rocky is no longer with us. That would be appropriate to have some sort of RIP, even if it's um, his daughter in you know Creed Four, and there, and she passes by something that says "Rest in Peace, Rocky." That would be appropriate because we don't want to disrespect the the legacy that Sylvester Stallone leaves behind with this character that did spawn this universe. Yeah. You can't be completely disrespectful, but if he's not still alive movie. in the next movie, he ain't got to be in it at all. Nah, not at all. <laughs> as long as he's breathing, we don't need to mention him at all. Right. right. <laughs> we will have a remember when when we need to remember when. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but yeah, I, like I said, I I think there should be like a, just a small mention. If you get a photo, <laughs> a photo <laughs> micro letters at the end. In loving memory, it's small. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, as far as a war contention, because I know it was brought up earlier that you know this this movie possibly could be like Oscar worthy or mm-hmm. some award contention. Do what award? Do you think like okay? So do you think um, Jonathan Jonathan Majors wins or is nominated for a supporting actor, or do you think it's like a best screenplay award? Possibly, it's I can see best original screenplay. screenplay I can see. Actor. Um. Best director, I can feel that. Even as an ingenue from a director standpoint, a directorial debut, this was a like I said, a near perfect movie. I think yeah. they're portraying, but again, 
sometimes Hollywood, because of their bias, misses mm-hmm. how perfect this is because this is not their life experience. The same way when uh, what Straight Outta Compton came out mm-hmm. yep. and there was discussions around how good the movie was and like maybe best original screenplay or at least best score or something. It got yeah. nothing. And yeah. one of the reasons, and I remember this article because I was mad about it. One of the reasons it didn't get anything is that some of the people who reviewed movies at the time said, I didn't watch it. It was too loud. Yep. And so you missed a potential masterpiece because of your own bias against rap music. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if we have progressed enough with Oscar So White for that group to recognize the brilliance that comes in this movie because all they will see is two buff black dudes punching each other with some decent dialogue. They won't or, understand the nuance. Or just two black dudes that weren't slaves. Right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and to your point, Joy, even after Oscar so white with them adding, um, you know, more voters, because it's not like they took votes away from the, from the people who vote in the Academy and took their votes away. They just right. added more voters. Mm-hmm to what they feel was enough to dilute the pool to be more diverse mm-hmm. because all the voters they added were of, you know, minority backgrounds and mm-hmm. women, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, it's still not enough mm-hmm. because the voting body is still overwhelmingly, it may not be 70 mm-hmm. to 80%. It's still 50% white and male. Yeah. But depending on the age range, these and new they, white men is different. Old. And old, and old, because I feel like someone like a Ryan Gosling or a Ryan Reynolds, any of the Ryans, any of the Chris's, would see this movie <laughs> and recognize and understand that it was something powerful. Uh, yeah. your boy, Dirty Harry, not so much, mm-hmm. right? I just, I feel, I don't know, I just, I feel like this is too much of a like a pop culture type thing to be recognized for. For Oscar contention, I mean, no. I still feel like they picked just the, the most, just the weirdest, just you know, <laughs> stuff. So, Let me tell you something about yeah. about about people, about human beings. We love to be a part of something that we think that we don't deserve to have. And so, I've seen poet laureates, I've seen Nobel prizes, I've seen literature prizes handed out to people whose work is trash because we think that is too esoteric and too evolved for us to understand. So it must be great. Looking at you, Nikki Giovanni, you should be weird. Sometimes. <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I'm calling out the beloved, beloved was trash. All that, and a lot of her books don't make no damn sense, but people feel like, I just don't understand it. Beloved it must be amazing or it's trash. I'm saying it. Y'all can come, take my black card if you can cry it out my You don't fight later, Joy. You don't fight Giovanni <laughs> like that. I love is, Nikki. A lot of these indie movies get nominated because people True. think this is such an elevated, unique, boutique, uh, bespoke event. And they mm-hmm. overlook the fact that something like, you know, we're starting to see now, like you would never see a comedy, a horror movie, or an action movie nominated for Best Picture because right. that That's was fun. And we're starting to recognize there's a lot of, of merit and worthiness mm-hmm. in action movies, horror movies, et cetera, et cetera. The same way you never saw, like I saw... Um, was the world according to Garp? Yeah, and that is probably some of the best acting that I ever saw Robin Williams do. And I don't know if he got an Oscar nomination for it, but then he got one for Patch Adams, kind of you know like oh we throw him a bone, and then he won for Goodwill Hunting. Why? Because he wasn't being funny. And we they do tend to give Oscars out 
for, I didn't think you could do that type of thing. Same reason, I know this is going to spark an argument, same reason Halle Berry got an award for Monsters Ball. Not because she was great. Honestly, I didn't think she could act her way out of paper bag. When I saw that movie, her portrayal in certain, in certain aspects touched me. I ended up crying about some of the stuff that she was doing and saying um, because I understood. Like people get all in their feelings about that whole make me feel good moment. If you don't, if you've never felt so terrible that you would do anything to get the pain to stop, you don't understand what she was trying to portray in that moment. Now we take all that away. They gave her that Oscar because they didn't think she could do it. They gave uh, Denzel Washington the Oscar for Training Day because they didn't think he could be a bad guy. And so, doing something that's one of the reasons I don't think Angela Bassett won because we already see Angela Bassett as a queen. Right. They couldn't. They couldn't conceive of the fact that this was a stretch for her because they see her that way anyway. The same reason Denzel hasn't won for a lot of his really really good work because we already expect Denzel to be Malcolm X. Right. Should have won for Hurricane. He should have yeah. won. Oh, he should have won for Hurricane. I'm yeah. still mad about that. Great movie. Yeah, yeah to, to your point, um, this film gets nominated, yes, when different story because of the voting yeah. body. I mean, look, yeah. and, and hate to poke the bear with this one, but anything, everywhere, all at once. I, movie, I, they are higher than I am when they did that movie. Look, that was a phenomenal movie from beginning to end. Performances yes, were it. wonderful. <clears throat> you need to be well, why do you find the one lone white character in that film to give you know why acting not a supporting actress nod to when the true supporting actress in that film was Stephanie Sue? I I knew when Jamie Steph- Lee Curtis didn't win the Golden Globe when they gave the Golden Globe to Angela Bassett. I knew that Jamie Steph- Lee Curtis was about to get that Oscar because that's that's the thing. I, I'm I'm not mad Angela didn't win. I'm more I mad am. that Jamie Lee Curtis got nominated. I'm mad yeah. for both. Yeah. You know, like if Stephanie Sue had won, I would have been okay. Mm-hmm. Because she was nominated as well. But my thing is right. why is Jamie Lee Curtis nominated also? Right. A film right. about an Asian family and their mm-hmm. dynamic being in this country. And then you add the whole nuance of the multiverse and everything. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the mm-hmm. villain is her own daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's right there? Yeah. <laughs> right there. yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis has like three C's in this entire film. Right. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is half of Hollywood's grandma. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> can't take that personal bias oh, out of it. Jamie Lee the Curtis. SNL sketch when they were spoofing this, when they basically made up a whole bunch, they were uh, spoofing the Oscars and uh, they made up all these titles of black films. It was like, um, Malcolm Day, the story of a black one black man's rise from poverty to the riches of the world, all to see it come crumbling back down. And nominated for an actor is some, you know, this dude who played the garbage man in the background. <laughs> Happened to be white. And then mm-hmm. they show the audience, and you see <laughs> the cast member who's the star sitting beside that actor right beside him. And like the actor's like, um, I shouldn't be here. And the black person is clapping like, looking at him like, that's what the Oscars is now. It's like, no matter what we do, and I'm just saying, like, any minority-led film from from top to bottom with, a, you know, all minority cast, doesn't matter what the ethnicity is, if there is one white person in it, no matter how mediocre the job is that they do, they will get nominated. Yeah. There's some merit to that, but if that were the case, then we would have had a nomination, some Golden Globe, SAG Award, something for your boy, 
the Hobbit that was in um, Wakanda, uh, Black Panther. Oh, Hobbit. Martin Freeman. Oh, Freeman. Yes. Oh, Freeman. And I really like Martin Freeman. I think he's an excellent yeah. actor. My favorite role of him is as Watson. But mm -hmm. Teresa, you were going to say something and we cut you off. I, I don't know. You were going to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe in the audience? Oh, no. I was just going to say that <laughs> Jamie, Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis has played better roles. Yeah. She has had yeah. better performances. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. Oscar Oscar-worthy. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And, and she didn't really step up makeup, those makeup awards because let's be real, Whoopi Goldberg, hands down, deserved an Oscar for the color purple. That yep. is a travesty that she absolutely. Didn't the, and the, so they made up the only time that she ever got anything. nominated was for Ghost, where she didn't do anything. Ghost right. was a trash movie, uh, in my opinion. It was it was fluff. It but was fluff. Girl, you in danger. Had a chance to make up for that. And the reason she didn't win for Color Purple is because they were making up something to uh, the woman that won that year because they had messed over her. They're always playing catch up. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem with the Oscars. It's done by humans. Catch up. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. Color Purple is still a tragedy for it to be nominated for literally every freaking award available at the time. Literally every award and win absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it was the the... It was giving lie to the the thing people always say about it's just an honor to be nominated. I'm hearing that bullshit. Statistically <laughs> speaking, they should have won Spielberg. Angela Spielberg would have gotten an award because Spielberg did the color purple, and he got nothing. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the I, catch up. I don't. I don't. Mm -hmm. As much as I want to say, this could be a movie this year that you mm -hmm. know turns the tide. As far as us winning more awards, I'm not holding my breath. I'm we have to a petition to get him nominated. Uh, mm -hmm. What's your girl, Brienne of Tarth? She started her own petition to get nominated for a Golden Globe for her role in um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yes. Yeah, we're going mm -hmm. to come with that kind of energy, you know? Yeah, because I honestly think Creed, Creed 3 is one of the better movies thus far this year. Yes. One of the better movies thus mm -hmm. far this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then looking at the the film slate for movies we're gonna get, I mean, the film slate of movies we're gonna get this year, you know, even in the month of March and April, I still think it's one of the top five movies of this year so yeah. far. And it, the box office has proven that people are going to see it, mm -hmm. right? But the Academy's mm -hmm. never really cared about who goes to see what at the box right. office. Absolutely. One of, the, not. one of the things that changed the Grammys so much is they started paying attention to downloads as opposed to just like uh, record sales. And it changed the demographics of who was nominated for awards. If they did if they did viewings and uh, ticket sales, in addition to sentiment, you would see something very different. You all, honestly, you'd have almost all action movie, all Marvel movies nominated for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's wait wait till y'all see you. got the costume design award. Ruth Carter. Yeah, mm -hmm. Ruth Carter, thank you. Mm -hmm. Who got it again. <laughs> I was about yeah, to say, she Ethan Carter. Definitely too. deserved it. Mm -hmm. Wait, what, Latoya? Have you seen John Wick? She has seen John Wick. Oh man, I can't wait. She has seen. I'm John looking forward to. It. We're going to see it Saturday. It's going to be great. I can't do oh, it man. again. I can't step outside my box <laughs> another time. I, I went to see Creed. <laughs> I've never seen a Creed. I went to see Creed just so I could participate in the conversation. I've never seen a John Wick. I can't do it. <laughs> it's okay. Why not? Never have you seen so much death and murder over a dog <laughs> in a car. They could call it bang, bang, shoot, shoot. I mean, it's, it's great. It's great. And you know what? Keanu, 
is the weirdest action star. I've never seen an action star with no muscle tone. But um, he's weird, and I do love do, Keanu, but I, I love can't Keanu. do it. I love Keanu Reeves. There's something about he's got that same je ne sais quoi as um, who's the other guy I'm in love with from Jurassic Park, the weird teacher. Oh, Professor oh, Pratt, uh, Jurassic Park. No, no, no. Um, oh, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Goldblum. Oh, yeah, Goldblum. Daddy Goldblum. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Daddy Goldblum got that same kind of energy of, you ain't never worked out a day in your life, but God damn it, <laughs> I don't know what it is about you, but I like it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, next was the next weekend, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yes. I'm going to see that too. That's, okay. that's going to be good. I'd be interested to see that go on. Yeah. Oh, Zaddy is 58. That Saturday. Mm-hmm. That ain't Wait, Keanu Reeves is 58? Yes. Oh, wow. Keanu? Latoya was 58. Keanu Reeves is not 58. No. I thought she meant Jeff Goldblum was 58. Goldblum is older than 58. <laughs> Goldblum's in his... 58. I thought Goldblum was in his 60s. He might Yeah. Be. Me too. It don't matter. AJ number the number once you get past 40 anyway. So <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Goldblum has got the silver fox thing going yes, for him. So. Right. The apartments.com's commercials are hilarious, though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so I think Keanu, Keanu is fifty-eight. Okay, oh, wow, yeah, he is. Well, yeah, he's looking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on scale of one to ten, what ten. would you get? Oh, all right, <laughs> ten. What was the question? James, what you got? <laughs> what you got, James? Um, nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'm reserving tens for later on in the year, but so far nine and a half. If nothing else pans out better than so ten, high. yeah. <laughs> Teresa, you said so high. <laughs> if something comes along better than this, I'll have to give it an eleven. But I, I stand on the fact that I thought this was a near perfect movie. I loved everything about it. Yeah, everything. Teresa, what, what are you thinking? I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it uh six and a half. Six and a half. It's, 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 what? It, it what? really wasn't my kind of thing. Okay, well that's understandable. Oh, yeah, fine. if fine. you wouldn't give any boxing movie more than a seven, then six and a half is a really good score. I wouldn't yeah. give any boxing movie more than a. Because I don't care about boxing at oh, all. Yeah. No, no, I don't it's care about it. boxing. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Ali. Oh, Ali, Ali was a very damn good film. Mm-hmm. Very good movie. I, I basically saw this for Jonathan Majors. <laughs> I'm saying. So you, yeah, you and I both looking forward to Magazine Dreams because he did. He yes. had to get extremely chiseled to be a perfected body. Yes. He still yeah, got the like, right face, but that body. I don't. Though, I don't mind the face. The body. I don't though. mind it. Yeah, buzz from the what was it? I think it's at one of the film festivals. It was at. They said Jonathan Majors acted his ass off for Magazine Dreams. Oh, so cool! I'm I'm excited to see it for all, all the all the strength of that because he was I'm really good in the. That he ends up with I'm, two, you know, maybe two nominations: one for main for, for acting and one for supporting actor. Yeah. I'm hoping he acted his clothes off, but you know. <laughs> well, he starts with his clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, let 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 the women have this moment. I am. That's what I'm saying. I'm shutting up. You know how many full frontal nudity shots I've had to sit through in my lifetime just right. to get to uh, make them in a bikini? Let me have it. 
the um, I I will say I, I thought this movie was a uh, was a ten, and again I I really love Jonathan Majors acting in the movie. I, I mean just as an actor, his uh, like the Ebony Magazine shoot that he did, the art of the interviews that he's had. I I love that he's able to express his masculinity. I love the manhood as a as a spectrum of that, mm-hmm. and I love I absolutely love that. Like you don't have to be hard to be a man. You can be you have a softer side. You know, the, the fact that him and Mike B. Jordan shared a hug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I, I hope they are <clears throat> as close as, <clears throat> excuse me, I hope they are as close as Hollywood ha- would have us think with their yeah. photo shoots and stuff. I hope they're good mm-hmm. friends and they can, yeah. you know, hug they each seem, other. They seem to be good friends. I remember yeah. Michael B. Jordan saying that he lost a brother in Chadwick and he found another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. speech that Jonathan Majors gave at, uh, I think, is Michael B. Jordan's Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, the star thing that he gave at like that was that was really dope. Listening mm-hmm. to this with Mark yeah. <laughs> the tribute to Angela after she didn't win the award. The you know, hey auntie, we love you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that was really dope. So I I thought the movie was a ten. Um, Jonathan Majors acted his ass off. This one, Michael B. Jordan, really good directorial debut. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot a lot more from him as a director. So mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. Okay, y'all, y'all guilted me into giving it a ten, a seven. <laughs> we, we understood that your six and a half was on a curve. So, on the curve, it's hard curve. <laughs> One of them Georgia Tech curves. <laughs> Is this out of fifty? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I was say. Are so we, we? we passed our five minute warning about seven minutes ago. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Moana is like, wrap it up. Right. right. She's playing, she playing music wrap right now. Mm-hmm. Get kind of late. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to close uh, out the show. Bro, Kyle. Kyle is yeah. like, you are. <laughs> I thought you no. froze. My bad. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just saying. So I, like, yeah, I just want to thank everybody for you know coming out to talk about this movie. It was again yeah, amazing movie. Thought it was great. Um, and Joy, thank you for the laughs. <laughs> As always, and As always. Uh, thank you, thank you for everyone tuning in. I guess this is a really, really great discussion. And looking forward to our next discussion. Is that next week? Mm-hmm. Or, I wait. Is it this week? Next week? Is it, I think I, it's the week after. The week, week after next? Shazam, Shazam okay. I believe, is the week yeah, after. I, okay, yeah. Because yeah. I, I definitely have thoughts about that movie. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all have thoughts about that film. Right. Yes. I didn't fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Teresa seal of approval, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't fall right. asleep. <laughs> I stayed awake. <laughs> Two eyes up, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So that being said, uh, yeah, we are going to end the podcast here. So do we, do we, we see you here? Is Moana coming back or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you.
So many stories left to tell. Even if we have to ourselves, can't keep history on the shelf. If they won't tell it, we will. If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then. When they annexed Hawaii and called it Sea the Lands. Without any type of payment and no signing off. Called themselves the Republic in 1894. 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians. When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure. The Hawaiian language is banned as part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah. Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No regard for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will We will So if we put Hawaii in a perspective Well, black and Asian history is interconnected Considering the fight with the Pacific and of course, versus Asia, they was treated as a middleman for war But didn't let the western colorism run its course Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to call The land was taken in the name of capitalism When prior to it was an actual kingdom Clap back at the system Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation Network up for all the locals, school will never let you know. So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves. Can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it, we will. Too many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves. Can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it, we will. So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves. Can't keep history on the shelf, if if he won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If he won't tell it, we will, we will